Back in 2007, there was no such thing as mobile banking or even an iPhone. Now it's all eyes on the mobile phone as one fintech has broken through to become America's first mobile-only bank. Here to share the story, we'll talk to Colin Walsh, CEO and co-founder of Varo Bank. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies, your home for actionable insights that'll help you power smart decisions in the financial services industry. As you're starting to plan for 2020, we wanted to lend a hand by taking a look back at the top episodes and topics from this past year. Come on in. And once again, terrific to have you here with us. And coming in from San Francisco, we have Colin Walsh. Colin is the CEO and co-founder of Varo Money, which is on track to become the first mobile-centric national bank in U.S. history. How about that? Colin founded Varo with a specific vision to help millions of people improve their financial lives. And Colin, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Lou. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on your podcast. I find what you're doing fascinating and, of course, historic. Tell us a little bit about Varo Money and what inspired you to start the organization. Well, first off, Varo's founder's story is a little non-conventional. I spent quite a bit of time in the more traditional financial services world before founding the company. I found that there was just a growing white space with this new generation of consumers in terms of what they were interested in, how banks were serving them, the incentives that they were looking for from providers versus what they were getting from their banks. And so with some of these insights, I felt it was time to make a tough choice in my own life, whether I was going to watch a lot of innovation occurring and these changes happening while I was trying to innovate from inside these big companies, or was I going to step outside and actually help shape the future of what banking could look like for millions of consumers? And so I chose the scarier, riskier, more difficult path, and I decided to leave the big company world and start a career as an entrepreneur, which led to the formation of Varo. And as you rightly said, the inspiration behind Varo was to do good in the world and actually to create a new company that was going to use technology to manufacture financial products and to move the needle on consumer financial health, which in this country in particular is a really big issue. Financial health, indeed a crucial issue. We've had Jennifer Tesher from CFSI on the podcast before talked quite a bit about that. To that end, you are not shy about saying that you hope to transform the future of banking. Now, how do you plan to do this? It really starts with developing a deep empathy and understanding of the problems that everyday consumers are trying to solve. For instance, you have the average American, and Jennifer may have talked about this, is paying hundreds of dollars in fees to banks to manage their money for them. They're receiving pittance on their savings. So their hard-earned savings for those who can actually put money aside to save are earning maybe one, two, at most five or six basis points. And these are fundamental issues when you're dealing with a society that is so undersaved, I guess. I'm not sure what the right word is, but there's so many people out there that don't have any financial assets. We recently did a survey and 61% of millennials claim that they have no savings to even cover an emergency expense. That is just absolutely incredible. It is, but it's also really disappointing 
because coming out of the banking industry for so many years, I'm frustrated that these institutions aren't doing more to help these consumers. They're not providing them with the tools. They're not providing them with these incentives. And this is where Varro steps in. So we say, look, we recognize this is a huge issue. It's a real pain point for people, regardless of where they sit along the economic spectrum. It could be as dire as trying to figure out which bills you're going to pay, or it could be a matter of, do I go to that wedding? What kind of gift do I buy? Do I take the summer vacation with my friends? But all of this, regardless of where you sit from an income perspective, is stress creating. And stress has broader impacts on society at large. And so a company like Borrow, we're trying to step in and first and foremost, eliminate all those hundreds of dollars of fees the customers are paying. So trying to put money back in the customer's pocket and hoping that they can actually start to use some of that money to create savings habits and start to build some financial resiliency to help them weather an unexpected emergency expense or to not have to have all the fear of not being able to participate in the things that they want to participate in or do the things that they want to do. And so Varro has created this no-fee bank account. We've created tools to automate savings. So it's sort of a set it and forget it as you go through the registration process of setting up a Varro account. And we're providing incentives for people to save through a high yield savings account. So we offer all consumers a 2.12% if you set up an account and start to save. And we offer consumers who are banking with us and are regularly putting money into the borrow account and using the debit card 2.8%, which is one of the best rates in the country. Incredible. And as you talk about all of this, Colin, what impresses me is just how passionate you are about all of it. Why are these issues important drivers for you personally? I've had a long career and done a lot of really interesting things and experienced very complex issues during multiple economic cycles. And for me, this is sort of the culmination of my life's work. And I feel that if I can actually do something powerful to help people improve their financial situation. I think we're just getting started. I mean, I just gave two examples of, you know, the fee-free aspect, the high yield savings. There's so many more things that we're looking to do with our data and our technology to help improve people's lives. And, you know, this is just the very beginning of our journey. And so for me, it's really about resetting consumer expectations of what banking could be and should be. And as I mentioned before, I find it disappointing that players have become so internally focused and they're not really doing as much as they should be doing to help consumers succeed. If a bank can help a consumer succeed, that builds loyalty, that builds trust, it builds the bottom line over the long run, everybody is happy. I say a lot that the biggest currency we trade in is trust. And it has to find its way in every interaction that consumers have with us, the way we design our product, the way we train our representatives who are picking up the phone. It's a real holistic set of experiences that help reinforce or actually just the opposite could quickly erode that trust. And so we think about that in absolutely everything we do. And it's really core to our business. And as a tech company, which is essentially what Borrow is in the business of banking. We spent the entire first year of being in business talking with our target customers. We met with hundreds, if not thousands of customers, and we asked them again and again and again, you know, what is it that we could do that no financial institution is doing for you? And through those conversations and really 
listening to what these customers were saying and how they were framing the problem that they were trying to deal with. Those insights informed our early product roadmap. And so we were able to look at things like fee-free banking, which was something that was clearly a pain point. Look at being able to provide an aggregation service where customers could link all of their accounts so they could have a full view of their financial picture. There were a number of things that we built into our early product based on that very careful listening in terms of what are the problems that these customers are trying to solve. And as a result, we have, if not the highest, one of the highest MPS scores of any bank in the country right now. So we're in the sort of mid-70s. Sometimes, some days we're in the 80s because we built it off of the back of what they told us and how we listened to the problems that they were trying to solve. And sometimes they'll say something that isn't exactly what they're trying to solve. But if you listen carefully and you get enough pattern recognition talking to enough potential customers, you start to put the pieces together. And that's what informed what Varo is today. And as I mentioned earlier, we're just at the very beginning of building something that truly could be transformational in millions of people's lives. Again, congratulations to you getting that OCC approval to become a national bank. Really big news. Tell us a little bit about how that process worked for you. It's not a given by any means. Robinhood recently found itself in trouble for not going through the proper channels. So getting a bank charter is not something you just sort of drive through Washington and pick one up on your way through. It's a really, (laughs) really difficult, rigorous process. And it does require a lot of knowledge of what it's going to take for a bank to succeed. For instance, when talking with the regulators, they have to feel confident that you can deal with challenges from how to manage capital, how to Think about liquidity. What would you do if there was a run on the bank? How do you set up the proper governance within your organization? The organizing group of a de novo bank need to understand credit. They need to understand operational risk. They need to understand compliance. So it's really incumbent on any group that wants to start a de novo bank to demonstrate to the regulators that they can set the appropriate tone from the top. So as the CEO, for me, the messages that I send to my employees and within the company around how we build an organization for the long term and how we think about the trade-offs we're making, how we focus on culture and having a culture that is incredibly customer-centric and some of the things we were just talking about, as well as balancing that with sound risk management practices. And it takes many years of doing this to be able to do it well. And so I do think that there are a lot of players that would probably like to pursue this path. It's something that they have to do with a lot of discipline, focus, and rigor to get the regulators comfortable that they're going to have a successful bank because at the end of the day, that's what matters. The regulators want to bet on business plans and organizing groups that they feel confident are going to succeed. And in terms of success, very inspiring to have you here on the podcast today. Very much appreciate the time you spent with us, Colin. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. Colin Walsh is the CEO and co-founder of Varro Money. He is based in San Francisco. You can look for Colin on LinkedIn. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one. Mobile-centric banks have a self-styled goal, 
fill in the white space between consumers and how banks serve them, what consumers want, and what they get. A major thrust is about resetting consumer expectations, a first crucial step to earning loyalty and trust. Number two. In the mobile-only banking world, transformation means developing a deep, determined empathy for the problems consumers face and are trying to solve. For example, battling fees and getting minuscule returns on their savings. Banks can put empathy into high gear by putting money back in the consumer's pocket and relieving their stress as a result. And number three. De novo banks need to respect the complex and sometimes complicated process of getting a charter. The understanding of credit, operational risk, and compliance, for example, all represent critical variables. And regulators want to see candidates set the right tone from the top. It takes many years of experience in financial services, discipline, focus, and rigor to win the prize. Welcome to Decision Time, where our podcast guest walks us through a major decision they had to make, how they made it, and how it has impacted their career. Imagine being first in the USA at anything. Now, extrapolate that to the world of banking and the avalanche of hoops to jump through on the way to your very own charter. Here, Colin Wall shares the critical decisions that carried him every step of the way. Listen. When we went and talked with the OCC and we met with the FDIC and we met with the Fed, we found that they were surprisingly receptive to what we were proposing. We went in there not knowing whether they were going to say, okay, well, this is interesting, go build your business and come back and talk to us in five years. But they were very much intrigued by what we were saying. And we walked out of those early meetings with a big decision to make. Were we going to actually pursue this at a time that we hadn't launched our product yet and hadn't really proven the business model? And there were a whole series of things that we still had to do. We had a lot of discussion around that. Like, should we do it now? Should we wait? And becoming a bank, it was so important to our strategy, the way we could actually help consumers by being able to touch all parts of their financial life, whether it was through the transactional activity, through savings, through lending. We did plow forward. It was not easy. The final application with all the attachments and appendices and policies and everything was huge. It was enormous. But it's coming together according to the playbook that we laid out initially. Certainly was not without its risk. And it wasn't without careful consideration that we actually decided to move ahead and we will see it's early days but we're certainly very optimistic thanks again for stopping by the bai banking strategies podcast check out our episode archive at bai.org and on all the major podcast apps we'll talk to you soon